Um, thanks for praying. Hopefully I remember how to preach. I've been away for about four weeks. So I'm um, happy to be here tonight because I believe there's a word that actually God wants to speak into the heart of our church tonight. I believe there's a word that God wants to speak in the heart of you tonight, potentially. And my hope is that from the youngest person in the room to the oldest person in the room, we can actually choose to be people that live a victorious life, just like Sam was saying. How can we actually live a victorious life? And for me, it's more about of an attitude and a belief than anything else, where we can stand steadfast, trusting Jesus in everything to do with life, even up to the point of death. And so... That's where we're going to go tonight, checking out some of this stuff. In the book of Revelation, there's a promise that says, God blesses the one who reads the word of this prophecy to the church, and He blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. You see, there's an urgency that Jesus is going to wrap up what we know in this kind of world and bring in a new world. The time is near. The message needs to get out that Jesus actually died for everybody. And my hope is that tonight we can take this seriously because we're going to read some of the words from a God-inspired message. I mean, it's all God-inspired, the Word of God, but from Revelation, there's a blessing in it tonight for you. But it's going to take us to actually listen, to lean in, to engage and actually obey and do do actually what God's asking us to do. So I want to ask, are you ready for that? Are you ready to have that kind of posture to kind of go, I'm here tonight. I want to listen to what God wants to say. I want to take a blessing that's out of His Word tonight. Because I believe there is for you tonight and for me and for us as a church. Um, Sam was right. I appreciate you checking that out before tonight. When you engage in where we're going in a series, it's really helpful to be on a journey. Because this is the kind of framework that's used in these seven letters to seven churches in Revelation. There's this kind of revelation of who Jesus is. And Revelation 1, as Sam said, kind of talks about Jesus and it brings one aspect to the surface. There's a, a commendation, like an affirmation, This is what you're doing, great. Actually, this is a complaint. There's something not right about what you're doing. So let's correct it. Let's um, let's change what we're doing. And there's a promise at the end. Now I want to ask you, what, what would Jesus say today to the Central Coast Church? Now you don't have to answer that. But to the church on the coast, what would Jesus say? If we even get more personal and go, let's talk about Coast Community for a moment. What would Jesus say about who we are as a church? It's an interesting question. And my hope is that out of these seven letters, we'll pick up on all kinds of things that God wants to speak into the church. And this is the first one. It's a letter to a church in Smyrna. Now, the time that this was was written... This, this was a vibrant city. It was on fire. There was business going on ridiculously. There was marketplace. There was lots of trade. It was a busy centre. They had schools for medicine and science. It was, it was a happening place. And this was the message that Jesus gave to the church there. Now, I don't know how you would feel, but this is a, a revelation that Jesus spoke in the life of the church. Now, check out, it's not long. Jesus gets right down to business and He says this. And this is a revelation that He gave to John. And He says this, write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. Now there's an interesting thought right there. This is the message. And it's from the one who is the first and the last who was dead and is now alive. This is Jesus delivering this message through a messenger to John. It's directly from Jesus, from His heart. He says to the church, I know about your suffering and your poverty. 
Now, right there, I can take great comfort to know this truth about Jesus. That Jesus sees you. Jesus knows you. Jesus wants to speak into your life. He wants you to listen and act upon it. Now, I don't know about you, but this church was was suffering some pretty big stuff, some pretty big persecution because of their faith. I don't know what's going on in your world, what kind of suffering might be happening, what kind of persecution. You might be getting mocked for your faith. But Jesus knows. He sees you. He's with you. For me, to have someone to know what's going on in my life is really cool. He says, I know you're suffering your poverty, but you are rich. You are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they're Jews, but they're not because their synagogues belong to Satan. Pretty harsh call. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you and you will suffer for 10 days. Now imagine if that was a direct message for our church. Who's it gonna be? Is it Andrew? Yeah. Prison for 10 days. It's gonna give him a bit of a test. <laughs> Careful what you put your hand up for. Big deal. As a warning, it's like it's in this scenario, there's not really a correction or a complaint. There's just a warning. You're gonna suffer. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. And anyone who with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He's saying to the churches. And whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. And that talks about the lake of fire in Revelation. You just not want to go there. And so I just wanted to pull this apart a little bit. But first thing I want to say, there is a revelation about Jesus. He is the one who is the first and the last. You see, one revelation from this passage that I get is Jesus is all about life. He's all about love and He's all about life. It's the essence of who He is. And like when you look at some references in Scripture about life and Jesus, it says He wants to give life to the full. That's who He wants to give you. There's reference to the tree of life. Jeff spoke about that last week. And it's reference to Jesus being the author of life. He's going to give you the crown of life. He offers eternal life. He has a book of life and He writes people's name in it who are believers. He's all about life. Now, why is that significant? Because I don't want to gloss over the fact and and the words that we hear so often in church, that Jesus died for our sins. He did. But just, can we pause for a moment to understand the significance of that? Because Jesus is all about life. Jesus was the first and the last. Like it's, He's always been about life. He's existed as God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit in amazing intimacy, amazing relationship, full of love, full of life for all time. Like He is is life. And the concept of death is so far removed from who Jesus is. So far removed. Like when Jesus says He, He forgives us and He places our sins like as far as the east is from the west, a place where they can never touch. Like death for Jesus is so far removed from who He is. And there's a a parallel there that Jesus planned to die. It was in His plan, but it never should have happened. Jesus is dead 
did it for you. And He did it for me. And He did it for all of our neighbours. He did it for mankind. Now, I can't get my head around that. That Jesus died. I just want to take a moment just to have communion together. Can we actually get someone to hand that out? Is that ready to go? Thanks, Rach. I should have asked you for that. Can we just stop for a moment to try and somehow, and you know the story doesn't finish there. He rose from the dead and He sent His Spirit. But I don't want to gloss over the truth that Jesus actually died. What? That just, I can't get my head around that. So can we take a moment as these guys play some music? What does it mean for you that Jesus did something that's so far removed from who He is so that you can have complete forgiveness for all of your sin? He died for you. Let's just take a moment as we hand this out. take it, this is what it says in Acts, it says you killed the author of life but God raised him from the dead and we are witnesses to this fact, thanks guys, appreciate you getting that read, let's remember Jesus together he died for you I thank you so much that you willingly gave your life. God, I pray that tonight that you would sink something in our spirits and take us deeper in understanding the significance of you dying for us. Jesus, we just say thank you and understand that we have no idea what that cost you, but you chose it for us. Thank you that in your death, you've completely forgiven us with your perfect sacrifice. That you conquered death and rose from the dead. And that you sent your spirit to live with us, your presence with us. We're so thankful, God. I pray that tonight that anyone who may need a revelation of that, God, by your spirit, you bring a brand new revelation that, Jesus, you did that for them personally. Praise you, God. Take that in your own time. I'll just keep moving so we can, um, we can move through this. But it's so significant. Jesus is all about life. And he went through death for you. Here's John. John. John actually had this revelation. Can you picture yourself being in his shoes where, where he's actually on this island and he gets this revelation. It says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I was dead. Imagine the significance of that. You're having an encounter with God that's so visual, so He's right there. Um, But He laid His right hand on me 
And he said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. So there's some things in this passage tonight really quickly that I want to explore. Things that actually, because Jesus is all about life, because He is victorious, we can be victorious. Because we are in Christ, we can actually live and overcome. There's three things I believe we can overcome from this passage. One is actually this. We can actually overcome a poverty mentality. Like there's that line that says, you know, I know your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. You see, Jesus sees our circumstance. He sees what's going on. He sees our conditions in life and he can actually eyeball us and go, you are rich. You are so blessed. You are blessed beyond what you can believe. And if we're not careful, we can just look at our circumstances and look at all the things that we don't have and therefore live with this kind of lack mentality where God wants us to kind of overcome that kind of thought process and attitude and to live with gratitude and to live with, I am a blessed person in the kingdom of God. You are. You're blessed. Now, every advertising thing you look at wants wants you to see what you don't have. And if we live like that, we're actually in trouble, I reckon. We can overcome that as Christ followers. For some of you in the room, you have kids, and some of you, your kids are here. Like in our house, um, it doesn't really look like this scenario. Of a morning, my kids don't come into my bedroom and go, Dad, we're so thankful for everything you've given us. Like you've just blessed us beyond belief. Just thank you for all that you do for us. Does that happen in your house? No, no, it doesn't. What happens? Like, Dad, can I have this? Can I have that? You know, like straight away, I'm hungry. You know, can I have this? Can I have that? Um, And that's normal for younger kids. But I tell you what, if we stay there as Christians, if we stay there in our growth to have this mentality of, oh, I haven't got this, I haven't got this, so I can't. God, I need this, I need that. If we have a mentality where we can take this word and actually overcome that stuff and go, we're we're blessed. We're blessed. One of my mates is Craig Stevens. You might know him. He works for the Salvation Army. He gathers lots of people on the coast together. You know him, Caleb, don't you? You've been talking to him about some red frog stuff. If you, if you meet Craig and you go, Craig, how are you going? What does he say? Do you know? You don't know the answer to that. I want you to actually pay attention. He'll, he'll give you one word. So you can get in first, actually. If he goes, Caleb, how are you doing? You go, I'm blessed, man. He says it all the time. Say, Craig, how are you doing? Blessed. Craig, how you going? Blessed. And he means it. And he's not talking about his financial situation. He's not talking about everything's great in his life. He knows he's a blessed man. If we look at Scripture just really quickly, there's this passage in Ephesians that says, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. And to actually save time, this one passage, seven verses mention all of these things. That I'm united with Christ. I'm loved. I'm chosen. I'm holy. I am without fault in His eyes. Any amens to that? That is amazing. I'm adopted. I belong to Jesus. I've been purchased. I'm forgiven. You are a blessed person. And when we as a church and we as a people can actually understand that and that's our attitude, we're not going to live in lack. We're not going, oh, we can't do that because we haven't got this. We'll actually go, I'm a blessed person. I'm going to trust God for the provision to do everything that he's called us to do. And so I believe that there's a message for us that we can overcome a poverty mentality. 
You know, I remember going to Vanuatu and we were invited to this, this home in this little village and it's this tiny little house and a family that just invited us in because they just wanted to invite us in. We went to their, this tiny little lounge room and they, they had nothing, man. And they had a wrapped gift for every one of our family. They had every reason to have a poverty mentality, but they didn't. They had a mentality that they are blessed and they can do anything that God calls them to do. You know, if we have that kind of attitude in our church, that'll radically change everything God's called us to do. The other thing I think we can take from this passage is that we can overcome persecution. We can. We can be victorious in that. It doesn't take long to actually realise and understand that life is hard. Have you realised that yet? We were just chatting. Life is hard in lots of ways. And you know, you, you add that you're a Christ follower, you will have some persecution. People are going to say stuff. People are going to mock you maybe sometimes. But I tell you what, when that happens, it builds your faith. When people actually challenge you in that in some form, it actually grows you deeper. It actually makes you more steadfast and builds your resolve. Now in, in um, Smyrna, um, there, was, there was lots of people getting persecuted because there was Christian people who would say Jesus is Lord and this whole group would say, you can't say that. You need to say that the emperor is Lord. And they go, no, Jesus is Lord. So they were getting persecuted big time. You know, I don't know what it looks like whether you're at school or uni. Do people know that you're a Christian? Do people know that you, you go to church, you're a Christ follower? You know, we can overcome that. And we can find there's blessing in that. Check this out. Jesus talks about it. Um, he goes, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And you and I can actually can have this overcoming spirit and actually be really strong and steadfast to the point where if, we, if persecution comes, well, we actually grow in that and it's a blessing. Like I've had some serious persecution because of my faith. I've had some persecution because of the faith that I have in following Jesus, the decisions I make as a result of that and what I do with my life. And for some people, that's resulted in some serious persecution. It happens. But check this out. Jesus knows that. In the Sermon on the Mount, he said, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. So if you're, if you're being persecuted for doing stuff that's not right, that's a whole nother story. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about... What happens as a Christ follower? God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all kinds of evil things about you because you're my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. Now that's a full-on statement and it's not like, woohoo, bring on the persecution, can't wait. You know, what's it gonna be like tomorrow? Looking forward to that persecution. But there's a bigger story and the story is that you and I can be overcomers of that. We don't have to let that impact who we are as people. In fact, it can grow us. James talks about it. He says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation and afterward they will receive the crown of life. See, that's reference to the Revelation passage um, that God promised to all who love him. And when I was away, I loved kind of just sitting on the veranda on this Queensland space, sun pouring in, and I'd just take my phone out there with my Bible and just kind of just do a, do a, read a few passages or just, and I don't read a lot, and then just journal on that. Love it. Sometimes God just takes a passage to a whole new level. And I want to share one of those with you that, that I believe God did that I think ties in with this message. You've probably heard this. Check this out. 
Because in Revelations, it talks about being faithful even to the point of death. You heard this maybe in Luke. So then he said to the crowds, Jesus talking, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. And if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Have you heard that before? Yeah, I'm sure many people have. It's a pretty common, common text that you hear. What does it mean to take up your cross? What does it mean to take up your cross daily and follow me? It's an interesting phrase. And I felt God just took that to a whole new level for me. And I thought I knew what I meant and I kind of did, but I felt like God took me on a journey to go, what was, what was Jesus like taking up his cross? What was that like for him? And Jesus actually took his cross all the way to the point where he died on it. And he said those famous words, one of his last words, which was, it is finished when he died. It's like Jesus' cross was his mission in this world. God gave him a mission. He said yes to it and he completed it. It is finished. And so when I look at that passage and go, if I take up my cross, if that is taking up my mission in this world daily and follow Jesus, that's what it means for me to take up my cross. And I'm a firm believer. God's given us a mission of, in our church to actually partner with Jesus to build up His church. He's given us a collective mission, but also believe He's given every person a mission in this world for you to actually understand who you are in Christ, how He's gifted you and what purpose and what difference you can make in this world. And when we can actually, whether it's persecution, even to the point of death, it talks about in Revelation in this message, where we can faithfully, consistently, daily, pick up what God's called us to do and follow Jesus. What's He called you to do? What's your mission? What, what is it? How, do, how does He want you to make a difference in the people around you? Because I believe in this passage that we're called to do that faithfully. If persecution comes, we faithfully pick up what God's called us to do and follow Him. Now, the last thing I want to look at really quickly is this, because I think that the message says in this church that we can overcome death. Well, that's a big call. But we, as Christian people, as followers of Jesus, we, ha we have an edge for people that don't have a faith yet. And that is we don't have to have a fear of death. That's a big call, I know. But if you do any Google search about the top fears, what's going to be number one? Yeah, maybe what I'm doing now. Yep, absolutely. So I'm coping with that fear right now. Somewhere up the top is probably fear of death. When we understand that Jesus actually wants, is all about life and He wants to give you a life that's even better now in relationship with Him and eternal life and actually crown you with life, we don't have to be afraid of death. Now, my, I'm, I want to be here for as little or as long as God wants that to be. Each day is a gift. It's not guaranteed for anyone. And you know, I want to step into that. And, and my, I haven't been tested really, but if I am, my hope is that I, I can actually be at peace with facing death because understand there's a much bigger picture. There's a crown of life. There's life. Have you ever heard that term crowned? 
You know what? It's a funny word, but we hear it way more than what we realise. You watch any reality TV show and there's a winner that's crowned. Have you noticed that? Australian Got Talent, they're crowned to be the winner of Australian Got Talent. Have you noticed that? The Voice, crowned the winner of The Voice for 2018. Did you watch Hunger Games on TV last night? That's a full-on movie. Two winners. Talk about being faithful to death, my goodness. They were crowned winners of Hunger Games. Uh, a, a friend of mine, Brendan Cook, this week was crowned Young Entrepreneur of the Year for 2019. You know, there's something in our spirits where we want to win. There's something in our spirits where we want to be victorious. And you know, Jesus gets that because He is victorious and He actually personally wants to crown you with life. That's a promise. It's a promise. It's like, Andrew, you're the winner. I'm going to crown you with life for all eternity. Sam, you get it? You can be crowned victorious. Now, that's already happened in the spiritual realm. Time to finish. Already happened in the spiritual realm. Really time to finish. So because I need to finish, I want to encourage you and I, and whether, whether this is fairly new to you exploring faith or whether you've been here a long time, that we can be people that live a victorious life, that we can overcome, that in our spirit we can be strong and steadfast and we can actually overcome any kind of poverty mentality. To go, actually, I'm a blessed person. And God's going to provide everything I need as I keep following Him. We can actually overcome persecution when it comes. It will. And we can stand strong in that, knowing that, understanding that people don't get the full picture. And we can faithfully, daily pick up the unique mission God's given you and I and a church and follow Him. And even deeper than that, have this attitude where we can actually not have a fear of death. It's full on. You and I can live like that. As a church, we can live like that. As I conclude, I want to share this last verse with you. It says this, For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world and our continuing persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. You see, because we are in Christ, because we have a faith in Christ, and when we consistently, faithfully stand in that belief... You and I are overcomers. That's the best news we're going to ever hear. And we can hang on to that, live that, and have an attitude to be an overcomer. Let me pray about that. Lord, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you so much that you came into this world. Lord, you let go of your divine privileges. And God was so thankful that you gave your life and you died. And because of that, you made a way for us to the Father. We're so thankful. And God, I thank you, Jesus, I thank you that you rose from the dead, you sent your spirit to live with us so that we can be victorious. Lord, help us to overcome any kind of attitude that sees us at a point of lack, even if our circumstances are crying that out. Lord, I pray that we would have a vision for the blessing that we have in you, Jesus, and help us to be really grateful in that. Help us to overcome any persecution. Lord, I pray for anyone tonight that feels like they've had persecution, even recently, even if there's just been a 
a mocking or a jeering. Lord, I pray, Lord, for strength, courage to stand and have a spirit to be an overcomer. And Lord, I thank you that because of your good news and because you will crown us with life victoriously, God, that we don't have to fear death because you're the God of the living and not the dead. And we praise you for that, God. So God, I pray that we can have an attitude and a spirit in our hearts of overcomers to be victorious in this life, all for your glory. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.